Hey folks, how you doing? Welcome to the Gospel of Kennison, episode 188, brought to you the week of September 6, 2023. I'm your host, James Kennison, and this is my personal audio journal. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for becoming a part of my life. You guys like to hear about my family, and uh, I like talking about them, so let's just do that. My wife... Jennifer has a guy that she hired at work that doesn't want to do the job he was hired to do. (laughs) He was hired to work on, you know, my wife's a manager. She hired him to help her with her job, which is doing provisions, which is too hard to explain. He doesn't want to do this. He wants to do technology and write scripts all day. What I think is hilarious is my wife says it's because he's not getting a trophy. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a generational thing. She, He's young. He's been praised his whole life for doing whatever he wants to do and following his dreams. And now that he's in the workforce, he doesn't understand why he can't continue to do what he wants to do. So I don't know. I, you know, I'm not one to stereotype and say, that everyone in a certain generation is the way they are. But this guy, I think he's the reason there is a stereotype. So uh, he fits in there, you know? So anyway, I think it's funny. Jenna came home last weekend, and the first thing she did was bake. (laughs) So I know what she was missing the whole time she was away from home. She loves baking and she baked some freaking brownie cookies that smelled so good. And I had to have one, but only one. I only had one. It was a good visit though. She was great. You know, she went out and hung out with her friends and did stuff with Jay, which I think is very important, but she visited with us and talked with us and updated us. And I learned that before she even started classes, she got the syllabus for French And it was in French and it just overwhelmed her. So she immediately dropped French and therefore also changed her major immediately from international business to just business. And I'm glad she did. I'll be honest because international business means she'd have to go overseas. And I have seen the movie taken. Have you seen this movie? Girl goes overseas And she gets kidnapped and the dad comes and saves her. Yeah. Well, unlike Liam Neeson's daughter, Jenna's dad doesn't have a particular set of skills. And if Jenna got took, she would just be, she would be took. She would be taken and there would be no help for her. So I'm glad to know that she's taking care of herself. My son, Jay has been asking to drive my car more, which makes me, you know, makes me happy. And, you know, you have to you have to hold on to the things that make you happy. It doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's a great car. And he always avoided it. And I never understood why. And I found out he's like, I like mom's car better. It's smaller. And yours is too big. And it's a little scary. Well, now he has overcome his fear of dad's car. He likes it better. So there you go. I'm proud of him. <laughs> you know, you got to take what you can get. So. Improv class, moving into my life now instead of those family members. 
I've got two weeks off. So I will tell you though, honestly, I'm, I'm like to the point where I just feel stupid about it. Like it was a dumb idea. And this is where I get sometimes where I try something new and then I want to quit, but I'm not going to quit. It's challenging. It's hard. I don't feel like I'm good at it. And I don't know. I mean, when I first started, I was going to follow it all the way through, do all the classes, get involved. It's like a culture. You know, these people are each other's friends. They hang out together. They go to shows at the event place together. And I don't know that I want all that. I just went to get the skills and I don't know if that's okay or not. I don't know if that's if they're going to let me or if I'm going to be some sort of outsider. I don't know. I don't know. An improv class. I'm going to hang in there. I got two weeks off, which gives me plenty of time to decide to not go back. <laughs> but I'm going to at least finish this first class. Because my dream, obviously, was to go to improv class and become this stand-up comedian and and just rock the world. But... I feel doubt about every single part of that plan. I guess that's where I'm at right now is I feel like it's a stupid dream. It's a stupid idea. There's no way I could do what's necessary. I've interviewed several stand-up comedians now, and they all talk about how you just have to get out there and you have to do the mic and you have to start by promoting yourself at open mic nights and putting yourself out there and, and failing and, I don't know if I can do that to myself at this phase of my life because what people think about me is important and I wish it wasn't. I used to be pretty, pretty uh, carefree in that regard, but I don't want people to hate me or to disapprove of me because I will take it personally. And that's not good. You know, you ought to be able to do what you want to do to a certain extent without having to care about stuff like that. But I'm not there. I'm depressed. You know, I deal with depression. And even though I'm on an up right now, I still have these side effects that linger and it's caring too much about what people think, I suppose. Health and wellness. I almost never drink soda anymore. I'm almost completely off soda. I don't know that the goal is to ever completely be free of soda because I want one once in a while, but I drink water. I got water right here. You can hear the crinkle of the bottle and I'm drinking about two liters a day, which seems to be my limit. I'm peeing constantly. It is my new hobby. I try to do it in different ways, hit it from the side, you know, stand backwards, do a back bend and pee over my own head into the toilet bowl. I try to spin around like a ballerina and then just hit, hit it a little bit as I go around. And, and when I'm lined up with the toilet, it's become a hobby and something I'm rather good at. Unfortunately, I'll never be able to share that in any other format other than audio. So I'm also walking 20 minutes a day. Last week I said I'd be up there. Well, I am. I tell you yesterday I got on that thing. I was struggling struggling like mad and i was like what in the world i'm just going further and i'm not even further yet i mean it was five minutes in and i'm dying 
Well, apparently somebody in my family had set the incline to four from two and I, I'm trudging uphill. I'm walking Mount Everest here and I cranked it down to two, but the damage was done and my legs were cramping and everything was wrong, but I finished my 20 minutes. I was like, you know, when the tough get tough, the going gets easy or something like that. I don't know, but I didn't quit. And I made it all the way through and I got off the thing and you know how it is when you get off a treadmill and you still feel like you're, you should be going forward. <laughs> and then it's weird when you start walking because it's moving you forward instead of making you stay still. Yeah. It, one of those things happened. So 20 minutes a day. I, I don't know if I'm going to go further. My goal was to go to 40 minutes so I could finish an episode but we'll see. We'll see. I'm thinking about taking a break today because of the strain of yesterday. And I don't want to overdo it because if I start walking sore, I will start dreading it. So I, I think I could take a Wednesday night off. What do you guys think? I don't know. So I spoke with my counselor. I love my counselor. She's great. But she said <laughs> she she's into some stuff. Okay. That I'm not into. She said that I needed a parasite cleanse. So, you know, I understand this could be a political issue for some of you. Have you ever heard of this thing? Parasite cleanse. Apparently we all have parasites in us. Oh boy. You know, just like we didn't have enough problems. I, I have enough problems keeping the, the bacteria off the outside of my skin. Now I got parasites inside my body, apparently that crave sugar and are controlling my brain. Well, I looked it up and I did the research and first of all, the doctors, the real doctors say that if you have parasites, it's a serious issue and they could take over your body and kill you. And there's no cleanse in the world that can kill them. You need to go to the doctor and have a stool sample checked. And if they see eggs or larva, they give you one pill and it makes all of the parasites noticeable to your immune system and the antibodies attack it and they kill it. There is no parasite that stays in your lower gut and influences you to want sugar in the middle of the night. So I won't be doing a parasite cleanse anytime soon. Plus you get on YouTube and you look about how to do a parasite cleanse and there is a hundred different ways to do it. And it's all based on what they want to sell you to get it done. So some people say it's all herbal supplements. They say herbal and they're not even British. British people say herbal. Uh, we say herbal. This lady that was talking about it said herbal. And so I don't know how much I trust her, but she was like four different sets of herbal supplements that she needed me to buy in order to do this thing. And then somebody else was all this food that they was selling and, and meal kits and junk like that. And I'm like, okay, this is up there with a lot of other things. I don't want to tick people off, but I'm not, I don't believe in like natural remedies and stuff. Can you still love me? Even though I don't, I think you can, if you try hard and you just forget, I ever said anything. I don't think people are stupid for doing those things. I just don't believe in them and they're not the right thing for me. I believe that doctors know what they're talking about. A lot of people that are into that kind of stuff don't believe doctors know what they're talking about. I do. And so that's the main issue really when it comes down to it, not whether or not yours works for you. I just know what works for me. 
And so I think we can both get along just fine. I'm not intimidated by what you want to do with your body. You should not be intimidated by what I do with my body. See how I overthink things. This is just where I'm at right now in my life. So I don't believe in parasites that are in your body. I believe doctors. And so that's, that's that. Okay. I love you so much. All right. I want to also mention that I'm going to be talking about self-hate today because it was a big issue that I talked about with my counselor and I kind of want to beat it out in real time and talk about what she talked about and kind of think about it out loud and work it out with fear and trembling, as they say. But first I wanted to mention my new podcast again. It's called not quite Christ-like. It's very hard to say. Great name. Excellent name. Would pick it any day of the week. I'd like you to check it out and email me at not quite, not quite Christlike at gmail.com. At least you can type it without stuttering. I've only done one episode. I'm doing a second one today and it's called zombie Christian. It's about being a living sacrifice. So zombie Christian, you get it. I'm pretty insecure about episode two because it is something I'm actively struggling with and dealing with. And so I don't know that the sermon at has a great ending, but I don't know that, you know, Bible school taught me that it has to have an opening theme, three points and a conclusion. I don't know that I have the conclusion. So that part of me, the student part of me is freaking out, but I think you can still speak in the midst of your journey. You know, you can only lead as far as you've been, which is why I didn't try to close out the sermonette permanently because I don't know all the answers, but I think just relating to people and letting other people know that, Hey, you know, other people feel this too, you know? So anyway, it's going to be interesting. We're talking about Job and how he said, even though he slay me yet, I will trust him. We're talking about a God that says no sometimes. So it should be very interesting. Check it out again. Not quite, quite Christ-like. It's on all of the platforms. So whatever you listen to this show on, you can just look it up, hit follow or whatever, subscribe. So what am I reading and watching and all that? I finished the best show ever, Severance. I have loved this. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. It is so good. And it had such a satisfying conclusion, you know, sometimes these mystery shows like lost start off so strong and they do so well, and then they don't know what to do to close it out. But you could tell with severance, it was almost like they wrote a movie and then split it into episodes. So they had an ending in mind and it did so well, but it is a TV show and it finished beautifully, but I hear they're making a second season. And honestly, I don't think it needs it. I want to go back and watch it again because there were so many clues there that I missed that are in it. Uh, but I got on another Apple show called Silo and it's not as good. It's not even the same kind of show as Severance. It's a bunch of people are you know, like about 10,000 people live in this silo underground and they don't know why they're there. They don't know why the earth outside is the way it is because there was some sort of rebellion and all of the books and history and 
reasons were burned and lost about 144 years before the the time of the show. It's really good. It's got mystery. It's got action. It's got, you know, edge of your seat kind of suspense and stuff. So it's really good. I'm reading Atomic Habits still. Haven't made it through. It's by James Clear. I am going to listen to it again when I'm done. I've already tried to put some of it into action. I don't know if I mentioned this last episode, so I will. Um, I have a habit of going downstairs in the middle of the night and kind of trying to reset when I don't sleep. Sometimes just getting up, being up for a little while, getting tired again, going back to bed is a good thing. But typically when I do that, I get up and eat. And it's not good. It's like the only overeating that I do. And so one of the things I've done is I've, I told my wife, let's keep a chair in the room open. And if I feel like I need to get up, I'll go there and I'll look at my phone. I'll, I'll get on my uh, headphones, listen to my podcast or my uh, audio book and try to avoid that. And that's straight out of the book is not putting yourself in a situation that sparks, you know, a bad habit. So we're trying that and I I've done it once and I failed at it once. So you have, you actually have to do the thing for it to work. One of the things I struggle with, and this is being very, uh, very open with you guys is a lot of people with depression struggle with hygiene. And I, I shower regularly, but not as regularly as I should. And I'm clean right now. (laughs) In case you're wondering, you're, you're listening to a clean podcaster, but it's funny because some things, even though you're up, depression still holds on to, and sleep is one of them. And hygiene is another. And I really, really need to use the atomic habits concepts to get my mind in a place to where hygiene's not such a big deal. The reason why it is, is when you're depressed and you have no energy and no life in you, taking care of yourself is just seems wrong, you know, pointless, dumb. All you're going to do is lay in your bed anyway. Nobody's going to see, nobody's going to care. But it also, when you do shower, it is the hardest thing. This is one of the hardest things you'll ever do is go through a shower because you take away every good feeling and the water's not enjoyable. Getting clean's not enjoyable. Getting the oils off your face is not enjoyable. Getting your hair. It just becomes a series of tasks that are horribly difficult to do. And I believe what has happened now is I have come to associate showering with all of those terrible things, even though a shower is not like that anymore. So I've begun to try to be mindful while I'm in the shower. And all that means for me anyway, is that while I'm shampooing, I think of how enjoyable it is, how it's going to help my scalp to not itch, you know, cause I use head and shoulders. I wash my face. I think about how the oils are, are being removed and it's helping, you know, the water feels good. There's perks there. There's something that feels good about it. And so I'm trying to get new habits and trying to use the book and trying to do what it, what it tells me to do. So, but I need to listen to it again because there's a lot of information and most of it's in the first three or four chapters. So talk about self-hate for a little bit. I don't like myself at all. I feel like I'm a failure, but before I felt like a failure, I felt like a bum for you British people. It doesn't mean a, butt. <laughs> it means a loser. I and my mother had it out when I was 18 and she 
was in a place where she wanted me to live by her rules and her will. And she wanted me to respond and live by them as if I were a child. And when she found out that I had moved on, I was never rebellious or anything. It's just I was naturally growing up. And it was naturally time for me to start moving on with my life. And unnaturally, she didn't want that to happen. So she started getting hateful and stuff. And we would fight quite a bit. And the way you fight when you're a Kinston is you try to out yell the other person. That's how you win. So I left a month after I turned 18 and I moved in with a guy named Harvey, who was a good friend and a good roommate. And then something happened. I don't remember all the details. I ended up living over a hardware store in a studio apartment. And then I, it fell apart. All right. I didn't know anything. I had been prepared zero amount for the adulthood side of things. I didn't know how to pay bills. I didn't understand how banks worked. I got in an accident and my boss fired me. Even though the accident had nothing to do with work-related stuff, he just he just fired me. I guess he thought I was going to pretend to get injured on the job or something. I don't know. But I got fired. I lost my money. I lost my job. I got in debt. My car burned up because I didn't know about things like oil changes. And I failed. And I had to come crawling back home. And I definitely got an image of myself as someone with limits and inabilities and someone who was a loser. And a bum that went back to living off somebody else's charity or whatever. And my mom, I'm sure she was thrilled. But it was at that point that I met Jennifer. And I was I, had, <laughs> I was not <laughs> uh, anyone she should have been messing with because I was a bum. You know? But she helped me get out of debt, meaning she would help me budget. Because, of course, I got a job and stuff working at a car wash vacuuming out cars she helped me get out of debt she helped me get the creditors off my back she supported me and loved me and all this kind of stuff it was great and eventually i got another apartment it was a trailer <laughs> but i lived in there but i never lost this image of myself that i was a bum and that i had to go back and and that i failed it was it was huge and maybe it's a man thing. I don't know. I hate that part of being a man that we feel like we can't do it unless we do it on our own. And we associate, you know, how much money we make and how successful we are with our, with our own uh, self image. But that's, you know, that it is, it is what it is. And I have to deal with it. So I was a bum. I was a bum. And I felt like a bum my entire life. And even when I was children's pastoring for all that time, I look back on it with fondness, but in the day I felt like a total imposter. Like somebody's going to eventually catch me and find out that I'm a bum and they're not going to want me talking to their kids. But then 
when we moved to Florida and the depression got worse and worse. And I finally quit because of it, because they almost forced it. I successfully reaffirmed everything. I lost my job. I lost my income. I lost my position. I failed. I became dependent on somebody else's income and charity, my wife. I let everybody down, including especially Jen. And I replaced bum with failure. I am a failure. And when I said that to my counselor, she almost got mad. She's like, wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me just because you failed at something that you think that you are a failure. And I was like, yeah. And she got on to me. <laughs> she, she apologized after she was done. She's like, I know I just came down hard on you, but you need to hear this. And I didn't mind at all. You know, somebody needs to slap me upside the head once in a while, but her thing. And I've heard it before that I'm, not supposed to believe what I believe that I'm supposed to believe what God believes. I even preached it on my last sermonette there on not quite Christ-like that God's given us a new name, a new reputation on and on and on that he doesn't see our mistakes. He sees our wins. You know, that's what I talked about. She tells me failures are people that quit and you never quit. She said, you even told me that when you first got the worst of your depression, you pushed your family members away. And I was like, yeah, I did. You know, I did. It was a bad thing to do. She says it wasn't the right thing to do, but you did it because you were trying to help them. Because at the time you believed that you were toxic and you were bad for them. And you were trying, even in the darkest time in your life, you were trying. That's hard to accept, but she's not wrong. I did separate myself. It was a wrong thing to do, but I did it for the best intentions because I believe just being in my presence was something that could hurt you as an, as a person. And I didn't want it to spread, I guess, or whatever. You know, I was just so sick. I was so sick. I was so down. I was so out of it. But here's the thing. I know, I know all this stuff about what God thinks about me. I know he sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. I know all these things. I know that God says we are precious and that we were wonderfully made. I know that him sending his son proves that he wants us in his life. He wants a relationship with us, that he is kind and loving. I know all this stuff. The problem that I'm coming up with is that I don't believe any of it. I believe it, but I don't believe it. I believe it for you. I believe it for other people. But I don't believe it for me. And truth be told, it's probably connected to the fact that I do not have a loving relationship with God right now. I serve him. I obey him. I do it out of duty. And as my counselor says, I, she says it counts, but he would much rather have us serve him out of a heart full of love. And I know that I still think that serving him still counts. 
because I believe spirituality is obedience. There's a lot of people that love God, but don't obey him. You know what I'm saying? So I still think it counts, but I get what she's saying in a relationship. You don't want your kids to obey you out of a sense of duty because they're going to get their butt tore up. You want them to obey you because they respect you and they love you. They want to please you. They want what's best for them. And you only have to punish them when they forget all that and go crazy. (laughs) So I understand what she's saying. And honestly, I would love, there's a part of me that I guess wants that. I'm going to be dangerously real. I'm, I'm mad. I'm mad. And I know it's wrong. I prayed so much. And I begged and pleaded even before it got bad. It's like, God, please don't let me lose this. Don't let me lose this. And then it got bad and I lost the job, quit the job, whatever. And I prayed. My wife prayed. My freaking wife prayed over me. I would sit there suffering and she would pray over me and it wouldn't help. It didn't change a thing. And I lost touch with God. Never became an unbeliever. But I didn't have the strength or the energy to maintain a relationship. And I've talked about this because that's when I let go. Like I felt like I let go of God, but he didn't let go of me. So it was was this miraculous experience in the midst of my pain. You say, well, how could you be mad at that? I'm mad. I, I, it ruined so much. And she says, you know, you can forgive God. That's okay. You know, we can forgive him. And I said, but it's still going on. I don't know that I believe that God answers prayers. I know what the Bible says. You know, I know what I used to believe. But the way I've got it worked out now is Jesus died on the cross for me. He showed his love. He did what he needed to do to save us from hell. And that's all God owes us. And I'm not saying this is right, so please don't don't make this your belief if you don't believe this. But I feel like where I'm at, that's all I'm I've that's it. That's all I've got. Anything above that is I don't deserve what he did on the cross. I definitely don't deserve to have my prayers answered or to feel good ever again, because I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding hell. You know what I'm saying? Me expecting God to heal me of my depression was too much to ask for in the first place. This is just how I've rationalized it. I guess he doesn't owe me an answer. But the side effect of that is that I'm not real happy and that I serve out of a sense of duty. I obey because I'm supposed to, because I still believe God's ways are best. I still believe God is the creator of the universe. I just believe he's a God that says no. 
He says yes sometimes when you pray. He says wait sometimes when you pray. And he can also say no. We just never talk about the God that says no. Well, James, he could have said just wait and you're still waiting. That's great. That's awesome. But right now it's a no. And it's been a no for 10 years. I think that's long enough for me to assume that my prayers have been answered with a no. I've also rationalized that this is something that was going to happen regardless. Whether I accepted Christ or not, whether I believed in anything or not, this was a part of my biological future that I was predisposed to this because of my family, because my parents, it came on randomly. It was not a spiritual thing. It did. It was not an attack of the enemy. It was not secret sin. It was not any of those things. It was just something that happened. God did not do this to me. I've come to that realization and I've understood that, but he didn't fix it. Okay. So I've kind of gotten off topic with this, but I think it's, I think it's connected. Self-hate, feeling like I'm a loser, feeling like I'm a failure, that I failed God and feeling like God failed me. I don't feel a lot of love for God. I feel a lot of gratefulness because I have an awesome family. I have my kids and my wife, which I love dearly. But when it comes to me, it's just doing what I'm supposed to do. Like a guy in the military obeying orders. So I'm supposed to be working this out live, but all I've done is repeated everything that I already believe and I haven't really gotten anywhere. <laughs> so it's probably going to be counseling. More counseling for James. Okay, so there are things that are better since I got sick. Despite everything I just admitted to, I do believe that I'm in a better place spiritually than I've ever been in my life. I would rather know God's nature better than walk around in this cloud of happy-go-lucky Christianity where everything's wonderful and mostly it's just living in America, but we think it's living a Christ-like life, whereas people in third countries live a Christ-like life and their life still sucks, you know? So I do feel like I have a deeper understanding of God. The problem is I've never been able to get past that understanding. Like you read the Old Testament, you read the way God was, especially in the Minor Prophets, and he he was an angry, vengeful God. And then it switches right into the New Testament. And Jesus is this awesome dude that loves people and claims that he's not doing anything that he doesn't see his father do. He is an expression of God's love for his people, which is also in the Old Testament. You know, God does love obedient people. But this time he reached out to the sinners, the people he typically despised, the people he typically punished and wanted to, the earth to swallow them up and all this kind of stuff. The other things that are better beyond my understanding, I think, of, of Scripture and, and God... Um, even though we have our issues is I'm closer to my wife than I've ever been before. My temper is almost non-existent. I used to have a very a flaming temper. I appreciate everything more. I'm 
successful at podcasting. I'm not wildly successful. I've been doing it for a long time. I know where I stand. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. But this is something I started before the depression and continued, even though there was some gaps in there. I take pride in that. I love the community that has grown up around it. I love the people that listen and respond and send emails weekly, nearly every week. I get a, a, a email that just, you know, just lifts me so high, so much better than I feel <laughs> most of the time. So what is the, what is the next step? If the goal is to have a loving relationship with God, what is the next step? Well, my counselor said it's forgiving God. So let's map out what I would be forgiving. I would be forgiving him for throwing me down a pit <laughs> or letting me fall down a pit of despair. And I would have to realize that I don't even have it that bad compared to some so many people. I mean, I, I had a guy not too long ago, as you guys will remember, that read me the right act about complaining about my life when his was much worse than mine. And it's true. You know, his life sounds a lot worse than mine. I have teenagers that email me about depression and I can't imagine what they go through because they have no direct control over whether anybody believes them. When you're an adult, you don't even have to ask permission to be depressed. You just are. You go to the doctor, they believe you, they take care of you. But a lot of times parents don't want to believe that their kids are depressed. And so they don't get them the, the, the necessary treatment that they need. Or it takes so long for parents to see, they think it's drugs. They think it's friends. They think it's something spiritual. They have to get through all of that before they'll even give them any help. So I can't imagine what it's like having to go to school every single day, get up, get dressed, get ready, go out, deal with people, face people you like and don't like every single day and do chores and do your schoolwork. I would, I don't even make me say what I would do. So those kids are stronger than I am. I sound like a whiny baby compared to them. So sizing up what actually really happened to me is probably part of it. I lost my job. I lost all my friends. I lost my church support. I lost my faith. But I kept what was important. It stripped away everything that was bullcrap about my life and left me with my wife and my kids. So there was a lot of pain and stuff involved, but I do recall... In a shower one time, asking God to make me into what he wanted me to be. And I remember saying, I, I remember because at the time, the, the word that came to me was surrender. And now it's coming to me again. I asked God to strip everything away from me that wasn't him. So maybe I asked for this. Maybe it's my fault because I had this experience one time during a prayer time where I was really struggling with, with God's love before depression. I imagined myself and I saw God stripping away all these levels of me, all these layers. And he was taking away my, my talents with kids, my music ability, my art ability, 
And I just saw these things going away, and the and the the mask got smaller and smaller. And he took away my relationship with my wife. And I was like, what? And he said, yeah, you've never worked hard for the kind of love that she gives you. It's a gift. I was like, oh. And it stripped me down to, to this little brown dot in the middle of, of this, this, you know, it was like a little light shining down, black, you know, everywhere else kind of thing in, in my head. This is all happening in my head. And I thought it was a piece of crap. God says, see, I love that. That's you. I love you. I love that. And that meant a lot at the time. It meant a lot because I thought that what made me valuable was the things I could do. And I guess I still do that because when I'm podcasting, I feel good. When I can't podcast, when I'm down, I feel miserable and useless and pointless. I feel like all of you are disappointed. I feel like I'm leaving you like hanging and that you're, you you don't like me anymore. I feel that way about my wife and my kids because I'm not as outgoing. I'm not as fun. I'm not as funny, but God stripped all that away and all the, you know, the humor and the personality. And he got down to brass tacks and said, See, I love that. Not all this stuff on the outside. And I realized in my little time of prayer that that wasn't a piece of crap. It was a piece of clay. And it just came to me like a whole, you know how thoughts can come in a rush. Stuff that would take a half hour to speak out can just come at you at one time. The understanding that you get occasionally when you're talking to God or you just have a, a, I don't know, brain blast, like Jimmy Neutron used to call it. And I just had this understanding that he was the, he was the potter and I was the clay and that I'm supposed to be whatever he wants me to be. And that clay doesn't have a lot of say in the process, but clay does have some responsibilities One of them is it has to stay on the wheel. And that means being faithful to me. And the other one is that it's got to remain pliable. To me, that means willing. And I've tried to remain those things. I've, I've stayed where I think God wants me to be. I've tried and I've struggled to do what God wants me to do. And I've remained willing to be molded and shaped because not because I'm strong, but because I'm weak, because I'm empty, because I'm hollow, because I have no strength. I have no fight because once I saw that, if you want to call it a vision, you can call it a vision, I suppose. But it was, it was just like a, a a mind thing. You know, it was just in my mind, just images I saw in my mind. I, I don't know what visions really are. I've never had one, so I won't I won't ultra spiritualize it or give it more than it's due. But once I once I saw what God wanted, I or what he loved, I I asked. I asked for it. I remember it now. I wanted so badly to please God that I said 
strip away, but I had no idea that it was going to be that bad. Had no idea that he meant to strip away everything. And he did, y'all. He did. Every single thing. Every single thing. Every single freaking thing. But I got to hold on to what was important. My problem, I guess, right now is I don't know that I believe that he loves that little lump of clay. Because I don't. I don't see any value in it. My freaking real life father didn't see any value in it. My freaking stepdad didn't see any value in it. My mom didn't see any value in it outside what she could control. But then I look at people like my wife, who is the best person in the world, and she thinks I am, to use some 90s lingo, the bomb. You guys. You guys like me. I attract really awesome people. Not a whole lot of them, but the ones that do stick are some freaking awesome people. To me, that says something. I feel like I'm so close to some sort of breakthrough, you know? I asked for this. I saw this before it happened. It was horrible. It was It was according to a plan. It was harder than I thought it would be. I'm better off now than I was then. I am. I mean, it still sucks. Depression still sucks. Don't get me wrong, but I, I am in a better place and I wouldn't trade it for the world. So much has happened. Stuff that was not fun. Stuff that was horrible, but I wouldn't take it back. I take pride in what I've survived. My counselor said I'm not a failure because I never quit. Failures quit. I failed a ton. But she says I'm not a failure because I haven't given up. And she says, I haven't even known you that long, but you do not give me that impression. You seem like a fighter. And inside I was like, I am. I've promised to fight this freaking depression thing to the end of the world. I will never let it defeat me. Even if it has its way with me, even if it beats me down to nothing, I'm never going to give up. I'm never going to stop living. It is not going to do to me what it did to my father. So why, why do I freaking hate myself? How could somebody that values their own life so much and have such standards hate themselves and believe that God has turned his back on him. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's a, maybe it's something for next time. Maybe this is all there is. Yeah. I was really hoping to end this with a, a big old tearful 
I love you, God. We are best friends. We're walking hand in hand together again. Oh, I looked back at the at the beach, and there was only one set of footprints, and you were carrying me. Uh, I'm not there yet. Not there yet, but I think I've come a long ways. It wouldn't be me if it wasn't a little disappointing. <laughs> but I do know I asked for this. How about that? I mean, that was huge. That was a breakthrough and a half. I asked for this. I asked for this. This isn't God's fault. This is my fault. And for some reason, I can handle that. I chose this. I didn't know what I was choosing, but I chose it. It was a path I chose. I wanted everything stripped down. I wanted my Christianity to be shook. I wanted my life to be different. I wanted to be more pleasing. And God took away my ministry. He took away my purpose. Took away my sanity. He made me completely dependent. But I have judged myself so harshly. Like I failed everything. Failed my family. I failed myself. At times I failed you guys. But I asked for this. I asked for this. So even if God did allow it, he allowed it because he's like, okay, <laughs> let me answer one of your prayers. So there we go. Um, God does answer prayer. God, the only thing worse, apparently, than a God that says no is a God that says yes. How's that for a breakthrough? All right. I don't know how to wrap this up, <laughs> but I feel like whatever's been done is done, and this is where we're at. I feel like I got somewhere. Not all the way, but I got to sit with this, you know, I, this new mind frame that I have mindset mind frame. I got to figure out what it means. If you have any input, email me james at nlcast.com. I'd like to thank our patrons for their support. You guys are amazing. Patrons are people that support the show and they get perks. They get show perks. They get bonus content because I'm going to talk some more after this. And if you want to hear it, go over to patreon.com slash G-O-K, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash G-O-K. Throw a few bucks my way and you will get a custom RSS feed that will open up and unlock uh, weekly bonus content. And you'll be helping me and supporting me as I try to become a full-time productive podcaster. So thank you, Carrie Wright, Carrie Bernhardt, and Michael Jones for your input, your support, your contributions. Thank you to all the patrons. We appreciate it. You can go to nlcast.com and find out how to follow me. I mean, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Just click on about and I'm in there somewhere. But thank you for listening. I know this one went long. I hope it was worthwhile. I feel connected to you guys. I do. Even though I don't know you all. Can I? Let me just do something weird. I, I want to pray for all of you. Lord, thank you for these folks. 
I know one of the reasons why people listen to this show is because they relate. Or they have someone in their life that is a lot like me. They're either like me or they, or they have someone like me. Or people with pain that have known pain, that have known suffering. That have known what it's like to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Who have known that what it means in the Bible when we say your word is a lamp to my feet. It means it's a lamp to my feet. That I can only see one step at a time. God, with everything from the last 10 years compressed into a ball of energy like a freaking manga Japanese fighter. I just want to release blessings and love and compassion and support and blessings and the the blessing of your eyes on them. You considering their issues. I want to release that to them. If that's even possible, it sounds like a TV preacher thing. But God, would you do that? Would you show your love? Would you show yourself real? Would you show yourself strong to all these people? Bless them in their suffering. Be there. You know, you said you'll turn everything around for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And those are the people that listen to my show. You never said when you'd do it. But you said you would. And that's one of the things I believe. That's one of the things I do believe. I do believe it. I believe it. I believe it even in my own situation. That you will, you have turned and will turn this around. So do that for them. And if the time is not right now. If the physical manifestation of your love is not right now. Give them the strength to hold on because you said that in our weakness, you are made strong. So be strong in their life. You also said that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. That sounds so dumb. Because weakness and waiting (laughs) does not seem like it would be something that would lead to mounting up on wings like eagles until you think of a dumb cell phone, you plug it in and it waits. And what's it doing while it waits? It's charging. It's charging to fulfill its purpose and to become what it was meant to be. So God, while these people wait to experience the love and the passion and the heartfelt realness of who you are while they suffer, while they struggle, while they're waiting for their answer. Renew their strength so that when it is time, they can mount up on wings like eagles. Bless these precious people. Amen. Guys, listen 
God's not done with any of us yet. He's not done with any of us yet. God bless you. I will see you next week.